Good morning. Welcome to More Than Money. It is Saturday, September 24th. It is a sunny but brisk day. Welcome to fall. I am your host this morning, Alyssa Young. I'm hosting all by myself. My co-host has the day off, so uh, you're stuck with me. So I will do my very best to do what we do here on More Than Money. Um, Hopefully teach you something, um, hopefully keep your interest, uh, maybe entertain you a little bit. I do have some stuff planned, so I um, hope you'll stick with me and won't be too disappointed that my trusty sidekick, Gene Dickinson, is is not here with me this morning. So I'm glad you're here. Um, I'll give you a little introduction to how this show works in case you um, are new. Um, and if you are new, thank you for tuning in. We are broadcasting live and you can listen to us on WAEB or online through iHeartMedia. Uh, there is a red button that says listen live or listen now that pops up on the homepage on our website, morethanmoneyonline.com. So you can share this show with anybody, no matter where they are, um, by sending them the link to morethanmoneyonline.com and Click the button, and the radio show will stream on your phone, on your computer, on your tablet, um, so you can get us crystal clear anywhere in the country. Um, You're the heart of this show, so we encourage phone calls and emails to ask your questions. We can talk about all kinds of stuff. It is more than money, but um, the money-related topics are typically uh, retirement planning, investment strategies, Um, annuities, estate planning questions, um, reverse mortgages, life insurance, uh, college savings, all kinds of stuff. So if you have a question, something you want to talk about, the way you can do that is call 610-720-7900. John will answer the phone and put you on hold, and I will... um, greet you and you can talk to me. So that's 610-720-7900. You are welcome to call in and ask your question or you can email it to me at alyssa, A-L-Y-S-S-A, at askmtm.com. If you miss parts of this show or you want to share it with someone afterward because you think it's so amazing, the full shows are available on our website. So by Monday afternoon, you should be able to play the recording of this show, um, and then all past shows are, are already there. And we also have all of our shows available as a podcast. So wherever you like to listen to podcasts, whatever app you use, you can search for More Than Money, and you will find us. And um, another way to share this with people you love, if you care about them and their financial well-being, maybe you think that something we talk about would be helpful for them, Um, pass it along. And we appreciate that very much. So that's um, what we're doing here today. And like I said, I do have some information uh, queued up to share with you during the week, um, whether it's at work or just in my reading of the news or what I hear on um, the business news on the TV behind my desk. Um, There's all kinds of information flowing in all the time. I get a lot of email newsletters and They're chock full of articles and data, and I'm also taking classes to become a retirement income certified professional. So I do a lot of reading 
about the you know for the coursework and it covers all kinds of relevant topics particularly for people who are planning for retirement or who are in retirement and whenever I find um, tidbits in that material that I think would be useful for you our listeners I try to make note of those so I have a lineup of stuff that we'll talk about today but we have also a special guest planned I like to do that as you know if you listen to my solo shows. I like to bring you a special guest so you don't need to listen to me talking by myself for two hours. So at 8.30, we will be joined by the wonderful Mark Basak. We talk about Mark a lot um, because he is an awesome resource. Mark is our Social Security and Medicare specialist, and he so graciously um, invite, accepted my invitation, my plea, for someone to um, come on the show with me this morning. And Mark said, I've got plenty of stuff we can talk about, and he's right. So we will talk at 8.30 mostly about Social Security claiming decisions, uh, filing choices, if you will. There's so many different um, elements of Social Security you might not know about. So we'll touch on uh, how to consider whether you want to defer your benefits. We'll talk about different features and options that are available to people in special circumstances. So Mark's a wealth of knowledge. And if you are curious about any of those things, you don't want to miss the 830 segment with Mark. Uh, the uh, Medicare open enrollment season's coming up too, so we'll touch on that. And then at 9 o'clock, I am expecting a phone call from our college correspondent, so uh, a little after 9 o'clock. So sometime between 9 and 9.30, um, our friend Zane will call in. He has a question for me, so we'll talk to him. Um, so there's some good stuff in store, so I hope you'll stick around. Um, housekeeping thing. So, of course, you know that the proud mom needs to give you an Azra's football update. Last week when we were on the show, we had an evening game coming up. Nazareth played on Saturday night last week. We went to Bethlehem Area School District Stadium to play Freedom. And unfortunately, Nazareth suffered its first loss of the season last week, 35-45 to 45 against Freedom. It, uh, it was a tough game. It was going to be a tough loss for either team. Unfortunately, our Blue Eagles suffered that loss. Uh, lots of turnovers in that game. It was a mess. <laughs> uh, a lot of ups and downs. Uh, kept it interesting for sure. There were a couple of moments at the end of the game where we thought Nazareth was in position to take it back and end with a win, but it didn't happen. So that was disappointing, but, uh, you know, it's going to happen sometimes. So Nazareth redeemed themselves last night at Andrew Esley Stadium with a 42-0 to win over Liberty. And they looked great out there. It didn't feel great out there. I know the temperature was only, or was, I shouldn't say only, it was in the 50s or low 50s. The wind made it feel like it was freezing, like literally freezing. And my toes were numb by the end of the night. So I was glad that I bundled up the way I did. I was glad I remembered to bring gloves. <laughs> uh, we were covered up with blankets to block the wind. If it weren't windy, it wouldn't have been so bad. But it felt cold. We've been spoiled uh, so far this season with very warm weather for all of the games. We had very pleasant, uh, the first four games, very pleasant conditions. But last night, it was chilly. Now, I can't believe it's already halfway through the season. Um whether or not you're a football fan, uh, 
uh, you've got to appreciate the community and traditions that surround high school football. Nazareth does a lot of great stuff. They had a, a I think two weeks ago was our um, shirt off your back night, teacher appreciation night, where the seniors all thank a teacher um, who's had a great influence on them through their lives. Last night at Nazareth, it was youth night. So before the game started, all the little kids, the Clippers and the little peewee squads on the cheerleader side and the football side, they were all out on the field and got introduced and ran across the field before the game started. And then um, at the end of the game, the seniors signed autographs for the kids. That was really cute. So we had a fun time with that. I, I really appreciate the sense of community around the, the sport and the team. It's a great organization. Um, next week is homecoming, and I'm looking forward to the uh, senior mom tradition where, yes, we get to do a dance at the homecoming pep rally during the day. Uh, sorry to say you can't watch it because it'll be inside the gym during school. It was supposed to be on the field in the stadium, and they moved homecoming pep rally festivities indoors so that I think it's because they heard so many people wanted to try to peek through the fence and watch the senior moms dance, but they knew they needed to ward off the crowds. So it's going to be indoors. It's going to be under lock and key. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to that. It should be fun. So I've got dance rehearsal this week to learn the dance the cheerleaders are going to teach us. And um, that should be fun. Um, so that's uh, that's our your weekly football recap. Um, um, in the market this week, not so much fun. Uh, the Fed raised interest rates again this week, which, yeah, we expected that. Um, it was 0.75%, three quarters of a percent. We did know they were going to raise rates, and yet you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't think so based on how the market reacted. We had negative days in anticipation of the Fed raising interest rates, and then we had a negative reaction of the Fed raising interest rates. This week, the Dow was down about 4%. The NASDAQ was down almost 5%. The S&P was down more than 4%. It was was a rough one. Um, If you didn't pay attention to what the Fed uh, was talking about this week when um, the... uh, rate was hiked. Now, this is the Fed raises the rate essentially that banks use to lend each other money overnight. And then that trickles down to the rates that we pay and the rates that we earn on other things like, you know, loans and credit cards and um, CDs and stuff like that. So um, this is kind of the, the first in a domino effect of rates changing. And it's already happened a few times. Uh, you know, they started increasing rates in March. And they told us that uh, they could plan to continue to hike until the federal funds uh, level is 4.6% next year. Uh, Of course, these things are subject to change based on how economic data responds to what they've already done. Um, And they've been talking about the the fact that the changes they're making could – should slow down the economy. And that sounds like a bad thing, but of course the reason they want to do that is because inflation is so high and it requires um, slowing down the economy to get the inflation rate under control. So if we want want the 
prices we're paying to stop increasing so much. Um, things need to cool off. So the the funny thing is, like they're doing kind of they're kind of giving the economy the medicine it needs in order to fix that problem, and then at the same time, people are fearing that it's going to go too far and it'll cause a recession. Um, and then we've got the people who say, hey, according to the definition of a recession and the data we already see, we're already in one. So we're going to talk a little bit more about recessions later in the show. But that's where we're at. We saw a lot of red ink uh, this week. It's rough. It's rough. Um, it's not going to last forever. But yeah, like I said, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. Um, I have a few other things to cover first. So one is um, invest in you. We talk about that on this show when I have events planned. So Invest in You is a series of events that I host and plan along with my colleague, Megan Smale. And we invite women in the Lehigh Valley to join us for some fellowship, if you will. Uh, It's nice to get together. But also we like to tie it into a good cause to support someone in the community. So we've done four events so far, starting last December with Holiday Hope Chest, we got together and packed shoe boxes for kids in the Lehigh Valley who might not get any Christmas gifts otherwise. So there were shoe boxes filled with little treats and also necessities. Um, we we brought donated the items, packed and wrapped the boxes, and delivered them to the Holiday Hope Chest distribution center. Um, we also had dinner that night provided by the Daily Grind. And then in February, we had a Valentine's Day themed event. It was a chocolate and wine pairing event that we piggybacked off the Chamber of Commerce. They were doing the pairings, and we picked them up, and we enjoyed them together um, while making valentines for residents of the Northampton County Nursing Home Graysdale. And then the next event we did benefited the um, Center for Animal Health and Welfare in Williams Township. We went there and played with kittens and visited puppies and made dog treats and cat toys and brought donations to the center. And then this summer, we had 5K um, in conjunction with the virtual 5K by Laughing at My Nightmare, which raises money for that organization to provide assistive equipment and technology to people with physical disabilities. So we had a great fundraiser and some exercise on a very hot day in July. So it's time for our quarter four 2022 event, and I have a couple of ideas. So I am opening this up to you, uh, the women in the Lehigh Valley who listen to this show, who might want to join us um, for some feedback. So my first instinct is it would be nice to do holiday hope chests again. It was very successful. I think we had a great time. We packed, I believe it was 51 boxes last year. I would gladly do that event again, and I think if we do, we might move it to perhaps our neighbor. The building next door to us is the Bethlehem Township like Emergency Management, like the ambulance company. And I haven't seen it myself yet, but I'm told that there's a big room available there that we can borrow. And I was thinking maybe if we do that again, we would go over there because we'd have more tables and more space to um, pack items. We used all of our conference room tables last time, and we were really filled uh, to the max there. The tables were covered in stuff. Uh, we had a lot of people there re- willing and ready to wrap shoe boxes, which takes space. So um, we might move that over so we have a little more room and we can expand it. So Holiday Hope Chest would be one idea for my next Invest in You event. And then 
Another thing I want to provide, whether it's this quarter or in the future, and maybe in 2023, is a workshop about what to do when a loved one dies. And I think it would be kind of twofold. Part of it would be the steps you need to take and some tips to help you navigate that process, which can be very uh, stressful and difficult and challenging, upsetting, Um, but also some tips to be proactive, perhaps, for preparing your own family um, to manage your own affairs and estate, so things that you can do to make it simpler for, for those people that you love who would have to handle that stuff. Uh, or some things you can do to, um, you know, if you have an elderly loved one that you want to be ready to be able to handle their stuff for them, maybe some things you can ask or things you can find out. So I have some articles and resources for that, and also I would collaborate on that with um, our estate planning attorney partner who goes, you know, works with estates all the time. So he'll have lots of great information that we can share. And I think he would probably join me to present that workshop. So those are two ideas I have. And I just wanted to um, invite people to send me an email or call me during the week if you would like to vote for one of those or give me another idea. So that is um, for the next Invest in You event, which would probably be in late November or early December or so. So thank you in advance for thinking about that and letting me know what interests you most. And once we do pick an event and a date, of course, we'll promote it here and in our emails and on social media. Speaking of social media, if you're on Facebook or LinkedIn, uh, follow us, uh, MTM Financial Group, because uh, sometimes we promote in advance the interviews that we're going to do on this show. You can see promotions for the guests who will be on Gene's PBS TV show. You can see uh, the the Blue Ridge Cable TV video that, um, you know, if you're not in the Blue Ridge Cable television service area, but you want to see that show, you'll be able to find it easily on our website. And if you follow social media, um, it, it, they're posted there. And so you know when a new one is available. So uh, you can like us on Facebook or LinkedIn, and you'll um, get to stay on top of all that stuff. And speaking of social media, uh, my next newsletter is in the works, mostly in my head. I <laughs> I know I have a list of topics on paper, and I've jotted down some notes. I just need to put it together. Um, so keep an eye out for that if you subscribe to my quarterly newsletter. So this will be the third one. I'm hoping to have it out by the end of next week. Maybe not till the beginning of October, depending on how long it takes me to finish up and then to get it uh, reviewed and approved and laid out and distributed. But um, in that newsletter, besides some info, I've got all kinds of ideas about little pieces of of helpful information, hopefully. Um, you can see some pictures from my August trip to Sicily with my daughter and my family and um, a new picture of Murphy. Murphy is our golden mountain dog puppy we brought home in April and he's already about 75 pounds 75 pounds of energy he's a very handsome dog he's beautiful and he is sweet but he also can still be such a pain in the neck because he's still a baby and he's a big baby so he's a challenge sometimes uh we're looking forward to when he kind of calms down a little bit but anyway if you're if you'd like to see what Murphy looks like he has changed a lot since the last newsletter photo you saw of him when he was I believe I just saw my old newsletter yesterday because I was putting it into a 
client folder. He was sitting on my lap in the picture in the last newsletter. And let me just tell you that now if he were to sit on my lap, you wouldn't be able to see me behind him anymore. Um, he, do, he does still do that. If I sit on the floor, he'll come and sit on my lap. Uh, so that's some housekeeping now. I've got some stuff to share with you. But let me just check my email here and see... I've got a question. We'll address that first. It says, hi, Alyssa. I want to close out a 401k from a previous employer and roll it into an IRA. Can I roll the proceeds over into an existing IRA, holding the proceeds of another 401k, or must I create a new IRA for the new rollover? Great question. Yes, you can consolidate into an existing IRA. You do not need to open a new one for every 401k. And that's one of the benefits that, in my mind, it's a small one. You know, there's a long list of things you look at when you're deciding whether to do rollovers and how do you want to manage your accounts. But I think for um, a lot of people, consolidating those accounts into one can be very useful, particularly when it comes to the whole question of your required minimum distributions. Because it can be a lot of work, a lot of keeping track if you have multiple accounts and you need to take RMDs from every single one. So in this case, um, this gentleman, you can you have an IRA where you already did a rollover and now you have another 401k. You can add it to that existing IRA and that makes it so much easier then for you to know how much you need to take out for your RMD and where it needs to come from. Um, the other thing is when you have multiple, if you do have multiple IRAs, because some people do, maybe they're with different custodians or under different management for whatever reason, um, you can consolidate your RMDs and see how much you need to take from your total in IRAs and then take it all out of one account if you want, rather than taking pieces from all of them. So um, that's something good to know, but you can't do that with 401ks. So if you kept your... 401k where it is and you have an IRA, you'd have to take from two different accounts, move it all together. You can take from one account. But yes, the short answer to your question is yes, you can roll over into an existing IRA. You can even uh, move an IRA from one, um, move an IRA from an existing IRA and roll a 401k into that IRA all at the same time. So there's lots of flexibility there. If you have any other questions about that, you can contact us. But I hope that that answers your question and that's helpful. Um, we're already coming up on our first break. And as I told you, we'll be speaking with Mark Basak uh, right after the commercials. And he's going to give us a ton of info about Social Security. So I have John's telling me I have three minutes left um, so I am going to share one interesting thing with you before the break. Um, I've mentioned already our estate planning attorney, uh, partner, and I checked something out with him and this is really helpful. If you have a child who recently turned 18 or will soon, like I do, um, it's, this is something good for you to know, especially if he or she went away to college. Uh, keep in mind that as a parent, now that your child is 18, you would actually need a power of attorney to handle anything on behalf of the child if they have financial or health issues that come up that are serious to avoid any kind of legal issues 
having a durable power of attorney that says that you can make decisions on behalf of your child that are financial or health in related, um, that will prevent those problems. So it, it can be a very important tool to have. Um, if Even if your child goes to school out of state, generally the other state will still honor those legal documents you created where you live um, and, and treat them as valid. So keep that in mind. It would be a good thing to have, God forbid, just in case there is an issue that you need to address with your child. Um, you just give you that reassurance that there won't be any hiccups along the way. Um, I do hope to touch on that in my newsletter I'm working on and maybe even provide a little bit of guidance about the best way to actually get that power of attorney document. So if that interests you, keep an eye out for that. And, um, you know, you can kind of make sure you're keeping your child, uh, now an adult, uh, keeping them safe and and taken care of. I have some other college-related information that maybe we'll get to later if we have time, some interesting things I found out about costs and enrollment. Um, but for now, we have to take a break. And then when we come back, it's going to be all about Social Security and Medicare with Mark Basak. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. play that song I don't like, right? Because Gene's not here. <laughs> Welcome back to More Than Money. I am your host for the morning, Alyssa Young. Gene Dickinson is out and about, so he's um, he's not here, but the good news is I have somebody else joining me. Um, you don't need to listen to me talk all, um, all two hours. I have a special guest who is on the phone and ready to blow your mind with information about Social Security. Um, I've mentioned that I'm taking this class about retirement income, and it's been focusing a lot, uh, segments of it anyway, on the ins and outs of Social Security benefits, including several ways to demonstrate the benefit of deferring your Social Security until you're 70, if you can. Uh, Mark, who we, you know, we meet with uh, multiple people uh, every month. Uh, he always tells people, you take it when you need it. But if you can wait, um, one of the ways that, one, or actually three of the ways that we can show the benefits of um, growing your Social Security till you're 70 um, include that it is long. it provides uh, insurance against longevity risk. It can be evaluated like an annuity purchase. And it can be looked at as an investment choice. Um, so those are just three of the ways that, um, as a financial advisor, we can demonstrate 
why waiting till you're 70 makes sense. Mark has lots more examples of um, how we can evaluate that decision and the choices that you have when it comes to Social Security. So listen to this, and I think you'll be um, surprised to learn a few things. Um, Mark, good morning, and thank you so much for joining me today. Good morning, Alyssa. But unfortunately, you've stolen all my thunder with that uh, introduction. Oh, no. I don't have much more to say. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm just teeing you up. Um, You always have so many uh, great insights for people. And, you know, for for our listeners, I love to join you for the meetings with my clients because I learned so much from you. And I'm always surprised at how unique each each person's situation is you know some people might look at social security and think it's pretty simple and straightforward but you prove to me multiple times every time you every day you're in the office that that's really not the case is it that's true uh it is definitely uh not a one-size-fits-all program and uh the program actually can be tailored to meet individual needs And it's worth mentioning, Alyssa, and I I know you know this uh, very well, that, of course, MPM clients uh, uh, have the opportunity to meet with me, but uh, MPM provides this service to anybody who who contacts the company, and and there is no charge for my service. That's right, because uh, we know how important and valuable it is, and it's not something that's available everywhere. So we're really lucky to have you and those people who listen to our show or f- find out about your uh, your service, your consultations. They're very blessed to be able to take advantage of that. Um, one one of the things that you know I was just talking about was um, the benefits of waiting until you're 70 to take Social Security because your benefit grows. So maybe we can start with that topic, Mark. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how you help people evaluate when is the best time to, to file, when is the best time to claim their benefits? Uh, well, we have uh, some tools that help us. Uh, uh, I have uh, software that can look at the decision of when to take Social Security, not just for one member of a couple, but for both members of a couple. And the idea is that you want to look at how a person can maximize the amount of benefits that they receive in a lifetime. And the the big gorilla in the room, unfortunately, is no one knows how long your lifetime will last. And the beauty of the software is that we can look at uh, an infinite number of lifespans and uh, determine different filing dates based on those different lifespans. Now, I don't want to uh, encourage people to think about how long you're going to live, uh, but I think it is important that people you know, realistically uh, uh, take take a look at, at, at likely possibilities, and, and that can be done by looking at uh, you know, how long your parents live, your current health. Of course, in the end, we don't know, mm-hmm. but you can make some educated guesses. And also, 
given lifespans today, uh, if you are uh, fortunate enough to make it into your early 60s, it, the odds are in your favor that you're probably going to live at least into your uh, early to mid 80s. And and so, uh, you know, we, we try to look at this from the standpoint of, of what is realistic. And, and I think ultimately, if we're talking to couples, the likelihood is that at least one member of that couple is going to be around pretty long. And so we try to make decisions that benefit both members of the couple. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, getting into specifics, though, it's usually best for the person with the higher benefit, and this can be easily obtained from the Social Security Administration through various ways, but the best option is for the person with the higher benefit to wait until 70. It's not always critical that the person with the lower benefit wait until 70 as well. Uh, if, if both people live to be 105, sure, that would be uh, an ideal choice. But that doesn't happen too often. And so um, it may uh, be a big help to family income for the person with the lower benefit to begin taking it at an early age. So the software will help us determine that. But there are other considerations uh, Sometimes uh, we have a uh, spouse who stays at home and raises a family and never works under Social Security. That person will not be collecting Social Security until their spouse begins taking it. And given the additional income that could be paid in circumstances like that, it may not be prudent for that family to wait until the uh, the wage earner, the worker, wait uh, waits until 70. Uh, so the software can also detect a situation like that. Mm -hmm. And and finally, uh, unfortunately, one in nine people don't make it to 60. And so we have uh, many widows and widowers out there who have the possibility of switching between benefits. They can take one benefit, uh, their own perhaps, and later in life come back and take their uh, spouse's, uh, deceased spouse's benefit, or vice versa. You can take a uh, survivor benefit at age 60 and then switch to your own as late as age 70. Uh, I, I, I know I covered a lot of ground there, so why don't, why don't you try to read me in a little bit there? <laughs> no, that was great. Thank you. Um, so I think the, the last point that you just touched on with when you have options and you can switch between benefits and you can start one early and take one later, um, I think it's important for people to understand that there are a lot of factors that go into determining the amount of those benefits, such as if you start it early, in other words, before full retirement age, and such as if you are working and you have earnings, that's also going to affect how much of that benefit you actually can receive at the time. What are? Can you just touch on how we help people evaluate um, the effects of those things and how much they would get when? What is that special thing we ask the Social Security Administration to provide um, that shows the options people have? Okay. 
Social Security in the uh, Pennsylvania offices has a tool called the Benefit Matrix. And what the Benefit Matrix is, is really just a, a spreadsheet. And it runs a survivor benefit starting at age 60 against a um, retirement benefit that, of course, begins at age 62. And then uh, month by month compares those benefits by comparing the dollar amounts all the way up to uh, full retirement age uh, for the survivor benefit, which for most people will be no later than age 67, and uh, compares that with the retirement benefit all the way through to age 70. So one can use that benefit matrix uh, to almost instantly determine which benefit would be the one that would be beneficial to take first. Now, you wisely pointed out that um, if somebody's working, that would affect either a retirement or a, uh, a widow's benefit. And the amount is just a little bit under $20,000 currently, but we're within three months to the end of the year, so each year that threshold is going to rise, and my expectation is that it's going to be slightly over $20,000 next year. Mm. So if a person works and makes, for example, $40,000, there's a uh, one for two break or for every uh, $2 in earnings, a person is going to be giving up a dollar in Social Security benefits. So in an example, like a person working and earning $40,000, they're uh, not going to be collecting $10,000 in Social Security. Um, for a widow uh, or a widower, that might create a situation where it is worth filing for Social Security on one of those records because uh, with today's benefits being as high as they are, uh, it, it's still possible to maybe collect ten or fifteen or twenty thousand dollars in annual benefits, even with earnings like forty thousand. Mm -hmm. But as the earnings get higher, the likelihood of paying any Social Security gets lower and lower. And for some people, we might just say, "Hey, wait until you either stop working or slow down." So I think the biggest consideration then is, is getting good information through the benefit matrix and then looking at your work situation, how far do you want to continue working. Great. So if people's heads are hurting, uh, it might be because you just heard us say all these different numbers. Like, for example, you can start a survivor benefit at 60 but you can start a retirement benefit at 62 and your retirement benefit maxes out when you're 70, but your survivor benefit maxes out at full retirement age, which actually is a different number than your 
own retirement age when you're collecting your retirement benefit. So there's a lot of uh, stuff that varies and a lot of rules, and that's why we have Mark. Um, so definitely, if that's not alone doesn't tell you, you know, you, you need to kind of talk through these options with somebody and make sure that you know everything that will affect your numbers. Um, Mark, one of the other things we've talked about with with particular families would be um, you call them auxiliaries. So these are different situations people have that 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 might affect the benefits that they or their family are eligible for. Um, wives, for example, minor children, disabled children. Can you touch on those kinds of scenarios just so that people are aware that maybe they're, they fall into one of those categories and it's worth asking, like, hey, what am I eligible for? Okay. So uh, the biggest one, of course, would be a, uh, uh, a spouse uh, could be eligible for Social Security. Uh, now, if a spouse worked on their own, Social Security uh, will pay that other benefit first. And we're talking about living spouses here, not survivors' benefits. Mm -hmm. So if, for example, your spouse worked and made um, um, uh, two or three thousand uh, dollars or would be entitled to a social security benefit of two or three thousand dollars, it's unlikely that they could collect on their spouse's benefit, uh, even if um, well, let, let's just leave it at that. It's unlikely that they could collect on the spouse's benefit while the spouse is alive. In the event of death, though, the surviving spouse gets the higher benefit. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's that's kind of a, a simple situation. But uh, a very important uh, or common auxiliary uh, benefit is paid to children. And uh, sometimes those children are in their 40s at the time that they begin collecting uh, benefits on their parents' record. And that situation would be when a child has a disability that was very serious, that began in childhood as early as birth and as late as um, age 18, uh, and the child can then receive benefits on their parents' record as long as the child lives. Now, as a, a parent of a disabled child, the decision to wait to 70 might be changed by the fact that a much higher benefit could be paid to a family with that disabled child being taken into consideration. Mm. And in addition, if the other parent has to stay at home or spend a significant amount of his or her time caring for that child, we can actually pay a parent's benefit to that, that uh, parent uh, to help take care of that child. So that simple retirement benefit has suddenly grown to maybe 50 to 75% of, uh, in addition to the basic retirement benefit or up to 175% of the benefit. Uh, I'm talking about disabled children, but people have children at any point in life, and it's not 
uncommon to see someone 63, 64 years old to have a, a 15-year-old child, and that child can collect all the way up to their uh, 18th birthday, if not in school, or up to age 19 if they're in high school. So those auxiliaries, uh, largely spouses, but children and in the event of disability, children of any age. Okay, well, that's a lot. And, and one of the things you didn't even include in that list, and that was a lot of uh, options, would be if you're divorced, right? You can also collect a benefit on your divorced spouse's uh, record. Yes, and, and that is true of both uh, uh, survivor situations and uh, life situations. So uh, a spouse can uh, collect on a, uh, uh, their divorce spouse's record. Uh, now, there are rules. Uh, the marriage would have had to have lasted 10 years prior to the divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, and there can't be remarriage in that situation. Uh, in the event of a survivor situation where your ex has passed away, you can file for widow's benefits, and you have those those flexible options that I talked about before about being able to take your survivor benefit or your own benefit at different points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in those situations, remarriage is allowed. However, if you remarry before your age, uh, turn age 60, you uh, could be forfeiting that survivor benefit. So as long as folks don't remarry until after 60, that uh, survivor benefit for their divorced spouse is still in play. Okay, so lots more rules. Um, Mark, we only have about (laughs) four minutes left, so I think it would be a great uh, last item to discuss about the timing of starting benefits because the new tax year is right around the corner. So if somebody is thinking about starting their Social Security in the next couple of months, um, what tip would you give them about considering waiting till next year and why? Okay. Uh, I'm not a tax guy. Uh, My knowledge is with Social Security, but uh, thanks to working around MTM, I I do have a a sense about tax implications. And generally speaking, when folks retire and take their Social Security, uh, they're experiencing a big change in their income. And so if you retire anywhere from maybe May through the end of the year, uh, you're still going to have pretty significant earnings from your job that will affect your tax, but the following year, your income is going to be dramatically lower. And so I think for a lot of people, taking Social Security near the end of the year or at the beginning of the following year is a good strategy. And right now we're in September. So uh, folks can begin their Social Security effectively December or January and uh, they can do that right now. Now, you can do it online. You can go to Social Security's website, and if you have a My Social Security account, you can file a retirement claim today. 
but, you know, some folks would feel better making an appointment with their local office. Generally, those appointments are done by telephone, but you can apply in September for December or for January. Now, okay. if you apply in Dece for December, the money is going to come in January because Social Security pays the benefits a month behind. So December's payment comes in January, January's in February, and so forth. So whatever you collect for December will be coming in tax year 23. And if you stop working in 2022, you will have a serious uh, tax benefit by waiting rather than starting your uh, Social that Security in calendar year 2022. Thank you, Mark. That is very helpful. You've packed in so much information in just 25 minutes. I'm going to, when we come back from break, I'm going to tell people when you're coming to the MTM office uh, for the next couple of months so they can make an appointment to talk to you in more detail, okay? Thank you so okay. much for everything. I appreciate it. You have a wonderful week. Take care, weekend. Alyssa. Thanks, Mark. We'll be right bye back bye. with more More Than Money after this. Yes, I did. Thank you for sticking around. I am your host, Alyssa Young. If you missed the last segment, we uh, spoke with Mark Basak about Social Security, and he packed so much information into those 20-some minutes. Um, you can catch the recording of this show next week, starting sometime Monday afternoon. Uh, I definitely recommend tuning into that if you if you missed it this morning and maybe sharing it with somebody you know who's thinking about starting Social Security or somebody who might fall into one of those special classifications of uh, people that Mark was talking about. So, Mark, I just want to thank you again for joining us. And I always feel um, I'm rushing you off the phone. You know, we have to cut it off because there's so much to talk about. We could go on for hours and hours. Um, but I'm really, I'm really grateful for your time today. So, as I promised, I wanted to let you all know when Mark will be in the MTM World Headquarters for the rest of the year and the beginning of next year so that if you want an opportunity to sit down with him in the same room or on the phone or on Zoom and spend an hour picking his brain about your specific circumstances when it comes to Social Security or Medicare. I definitely recommend you take advantage of that opportunity. And he has lots of open appointments available on these dates. These are all Mondays, um, October 17th and 31st, November 14th and 30th, December 7th and 19th, and January 9th and 30th. So all you need to do is call our office or email me and say, I would like to talk to Mark. 
and we'll pick a time. We'll put it on the calendar. We'll take your phone number. You'll get a friendly appointment reminder from one of the women in our office, and you um, have him to yourself for an hour to talk about all those things. Um, like I said, I join those meetings. I annoy Mark and uh, all of our specialists because I, <laughs> I join them with my clients because I learn a lot from them, and it also helps me better serve my clients when I hear the conversation that they're having uh, firsthand. And sometimes um, there's things that... I know about my client that I say, hey, but what about this? Or, you know, questions we need to clarify. And then it, sometimes it affects how we're doing things on the other side of their retirement income strategy. So um, if you're one of my people, uh, you'll see me in that room with you unless you tell me to hit the road, of course. But uh, anyway, <laughs> I would love for you to take advantage of Mark's um, experience and knowledge. And as you just heard, it can be a lot more complicated than you think which is it's funny i i called the social security office um on behalf of a loved one and was told it doesn't take a financial advisor to understand social security and i laughed out loud um <laughs> because really if you're doing what's right for you and trying to make um the best strategy choice it might actually require you to be consulting with someone who um, knows about all these options and um, you know how they uh, affect you and how your life circumstances affect your options. So anyway, um, you're welcome to make that appointment and, and also share that interview with somebody else. Mark touched on lots of important things. If you have a question for me today, you can call 610-720-7900. Or you can email me. My email address is Alyssa, A-L-Y-S-S-A, at askmtm.com. And I will gladly help you the best I can. Um, we will be hearing shortly from our college correspondent. And um, we'll see. He has a question for me. So maybe it'll be something that will interest you or somebody that is uh, important to you. Uh, in the meantime, I do have some other information to share with you. One thing thing that is um, really important these days is how to understand how some of your investments are valued. And when you see your statements from your accounts, or if you um, log into your account online and look at the values, you might uh, have some questions or concerns. So this applies to a lot of different types of investments that we're putting into our clients' accounts these days because of new opportunities thanks to rising interest rates. So examples of those things would be CDs, certificates of deposit, structured notes. We've been talking about those a little bit on the show. Buffered ETFs. ETF stands for exchange-traded funds. Those often have um, defined outcome periods. That's uh, and also bonds. If you own individual bonds or bond funds containing bonds that have the same maturity date, so all of those are examples of investments that um, have special valuation considerations. And what I mean by that is when you see your statement and you see that. It looks like maybe they're down in value. It's important to realize that that might not actually be the case. Uh, you have to remember the terms of those holdings. So 
to take a structured note, for example, if it has a holding period or a maturity of, say, two years, uh, typically, and this is oversimplifying it a little bit, but the value that it says on the state statement doesn't really matter until you reach that maturity. So what matters is if that structured note is um, the performance of it or the return on it depends on the performance of an underlying index, what matters is the value of that index at the time of maturity. That's what's going to determine your return, your outcome for your principal. So the value that it shows in the interim period isn't having an immediate or direct effect on your money, on your return. And then that does go for CDs too. If you own a brokerage CD or a bank CD that matures in six months or a year or two years, it might look negative on your statement and you say, wait a minute, how did I lose money on a CD? Well, it doesn't mean that you'll, you're actually losing money or will lose money. So um, the closer to maturity those types of investments are, the more accurate the value will be. Um, but in the meantime, market fluctuations and some other factors um, might influence the value that is shown on the statement. So it's really important you talk to your financial advisor uh, and understand those things because it might look like your account is down more than it really is if it's factoring in holdings like those and showing that they're negative right now. So they're not it should not be considered an exact valuation. You have to remember the terms of the investment that you're holding. So keep that in mind. And if that's something that you have questions about, uh, ask your advisor to explain if, you know, did I really, am I really losing money here? What does this number, this negative number mean in this case? Um, so I hope that makes sense. Um, I can clarify that for anybody. Send me an email if you want to talk about how it might affect investments in your portfolio. Okay, we have a call. So we're going to go to uh, the phones and talk to John. Good morning, John. How can I serve you this morning? Oh, good morning. Well, I, I, would, I would like to know your opinion on stock buybacks since most companies are doing it. I think the money they use to do that would be better off, like a dividend increase, pay raises for their employees, or pay down debt. And they really only benefit CEOs, directors with stock options and such. And also, by the way, how are these stock buybacks working these days? Uh, yeah, that's interesting, John. Um, it, I, I understand that you know, as a shareholder, you you might have better ideas, right, for how they might share their money <laughs> with you. Um, I guess it's considered a way for a company to sort of reinvest, you know, in itself. Um, the ultimate result, if you are a shareholder and there are less shares outstanding, you now own a greater stake in the company. So one of the things that might be a positive for people who remain shareholders after a buyback would be when the price goes up, you know, you make you end up actually doing better. You know, you do make more. If they do provide a dividend, you um, might actually make more later. Um, but the way that they're deciding to do this now might be their best option for um, kind of getting capital at that particular time. So um, I, it's, I can't really speak to what makes them make those decisions. 
Um, but it does typically increase the value. And then um, if they're actually investing in themselves to perform better, hopefully it makes it a better long-term investment. Well, can you say say that with, with the market way down these days? Like I'm sure there's people out there that would rather have a dividend like me, especially now with inflation the way it is. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes the the reason they do it too is it actually can improve the company's like financial values. So, um, and it may might make their numbers look more attractive and healthier. Um, so sometimes it, they're making those decisions based on how they want to be able to analyze the value of the company. And because the market is down, that might be very important to them. Um, right now, people are very skeptical of uh, a comp- company's financial health, right, and their performance. So sometimes um, doing that, maybe you know, affecting their balance sheet or their 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 share valuation um, might be positioning them for more investment interest in the future. Um, so that that there's reasons behind it. I think that are probably beyond our understanding. The the corporate executives have you know a lot of things that they're looking at, a lot of numbers that they're looking at. But um, your point about looking for companies investments that are paying dividends is a good one. Um, that's a lot of people are focusing on that these days because on the growth side of your portfolio, it's you know obviously struggling a lot right now. So looking for companies that are going to be strong enough to keep paying healthy dividends uh, is is a, a great idea, particularly in you know tax-deferred accounts like IRAs where you don't have to pay income tax on those dividends. Does that make okay, sense? Okay, well, I thank you. Thank you for calling, John. I appreciate it, and you have a great day. All right, so um, one of the other things that I wanted to share with you, I told you I had some... Um, information about college and because our college correspondent's going to be calling in a little bit it's a nice segue i don't know is it too late for a back to school theme uh it is still september and i still need to decorate my house for fall um i'm actually hoping to do that while i clean this weekend so i'll probably do fall and halloween decorations all in one shot because i haven't had a chance to start the fall transition yet um i have this article actually came out in August, but it talks about the average cost of college tuition and fees and how it's gone up. And then yesterday, I found an article about enrollment numbers. So I thought it was kind of interesting. Maybe they kind of go hand in hand. Um, Over the last 20 years, the cost of tuition and fees for four-year public schools has risen 179%. And that averages out to 9% per year. At private schools, the increase is 124% or 6.2% per year. Uh, and part of the reason this piqued my interest right now is because of the you know, student loan forgiveness um, that's, that's in the works. And I wanted to suggest to people who had student loan payments on their horizon or that they were already paying them to um, consider that if your loan's forgiven, maybe you should make a plan, make a promise to yourself to, instead of spending that money some other way, use it to invest for your future. So if you had a monthly student loan payment um, on your budget that you no longer need to make, 
Maybe you can put that money into your Roth IRA every month instead or into a brokerage account to save up for buying a house or something like that. So that would be uh, maybe a good strategy for you with that money that no longer needs to go back to, to loan repayment. Whether or not student loan forgiveness is a good economic policy is a completely different topic of conversation. But if you are one of those people who personally might be benefiting from that debt being forgiven or reduced... Maybe you can think about opportunities with the additional cash flow you just gained to do something good for yourself in the future. Um, so the article about enrollment that I found is actually looking at spring 2022 college enrollments. And I found this interesting that a combination of undergrad and graduate student enrollment in this past spring fell 4.1% compared to the spring of 2021. Um, and that was after last year, it had dropped 3.5%. So fewer people enrolling in college. Why? Well, that could be because of cost. It could be because of COVID. It could be a lot of things. But we've got costs going up, enrollment going down. And in the meantime, in the workforce, there are so many jobs, and yet, there is a uh, there's a major shortage of skilled labor. So um, 91% of contractors are reporting moderate to high levels of difficulty finding skilled workers, and they expect it to only get worse. As a result of this, a lot of contractors are either turning down work, they're putting in higher bids for projects. If If you are looking for someone to help you do a home improvement project, you might find a very long wait time. And that could very well be related to the fact that there aren't enough people working for these companies, for these contractors to be able to get the jobs done in a timely way. So um, lots of factors at play out there in the labor market. And I think that the uh, college costs and college enrollment all kind of um, tie in there as well. Um, I have had a very busy last couple of weeks. I have met with so many different people, and it's my favorite part of my job, of course. Um, and it's just so interesting how many different circumstances and situations people are in. Um, it, it varies so much from one meeting to the next. I sit down with people who have more money than they can spend, and they, you know, and they'll know it. They'll say, "Yeah, we." We have a pension, we have our social security, we have this investment that pays us a pretty steady income, and then I've got a million, two million, whatever, sitting over here in these accounts that I, quote, don't really need. What a nice problem to have, right? And then in the meantime, I have people sit down across from the table from me that have meager savings, and maybe they needed to retire because of a health problem or a family issue or something, and they don't have a pension and their social security benefit might not be as much and they might already live very frugally and they are very humbled when they are sitting down across from a financial advisor and say something like, I know it's not a lot of money, so it's really not, you know, that big of a deal or I might not have that many options. And those conversations strike me and I just wanted to share that it's not true that uh, if you have less money, it's less important or that it needs to be handled any differently. 
um, I just wanted to communicate with everyone that we treat everyone and everyone's money with equal importance. So that, you know, $100,000 to someone that doesn't have a lot might probably makes a much bigger impact in, in you know, that person's life than in a, mil- a million dollar account to someone who has adequate cash flow from other sources and isn't even really tapping into it to, to rely on it to pay their bills. So I recognize that everybody's life is different. And that's why we, we look at your complete financial picture, factor in all of these things about you and your assets, your resources um, to determine what to do. I love the ability we have to customize strategies for that purpose. So you have options. Everybody has options and which one makes the most sense for you versus somebody who has extra money versus someone who's just getting by, you know, they're different in every case. Um, We work together as a team of advisors um, when it comes to investment strategy and our investment model. So there's, there are six of us. I'm one of six advisors at, at more than money and we develop those plans together so that you're getting the input from lots of different experiences, different client experiences, uh, different um, career backgrounds uh, to be able to help you. So um, when we put our heads together and say these are the funds we should have in our core portfolio or this is the way we should use annuities or these are structured notes that we're pricing out for our clients, does anybody want to join in on this? Um, We're combining our experience and, and expertise on your behalf, but we tweak everything um, so that it fits you. And an annuity might be good for one person and not for another. Or one person might want a fixed annuity and one might need a SPIA, a single premium immediate annuity. It all depends on uh, your cash flow needs, what you have to work with, what your goals are. Some people have legacy, really specific legacy goals, and some people have none. And some people have really specific charitable giving goals, and some people have none. So it's not like, just like Mark said earlier with Social Security not being a one-size-fits-all solution, the same is true on the investment side. We don't do the same thing for everyone, and it's not a set-it-and-forget-it policy either. Uh, Your circumstances in your life can change, and uh, then we need to evolve things. So anyway, uh, it kind of struck me this week because of all the different people I spoke to and how every conversation was different. So I just wanted to kind of riff on that for a moment. So thank you for allowing me to do that. Um, I will share an email with you now with a question that maybe applies to some of you. It says, greetings. I love the show, which prompted me to call and speak to Mr. Grillo a year or two back. He's one of our financial advisors regarding some retirement questions I had. Now, unfortunately, my mother has passed away and I find myself with some money coming from her estate. The biggest amount will be from the sale of her home. My brother will be buying my sister and I out sometime in December. I would like to retire in two or three years and want to use that money to purchase a home to retire in South Carolina, but don't know what to do with it in the meantime. I'd appreciate any advice you can give me. Thank you so much. Okay, that's a great question. And actually, it's funny. One of the people I sat with to, uh, this this week was in a similar situation, actually sold uh, her own home, is um, renting temporarily 
but expects to be buying a home in another state sometime in the future, in maybe 18 months, maybe two years, maybe three years. And so similar question, what can we do with this lump sum, um, the sale proceeds from our house, and and what are our options? So for that woman I met with and for the, the person who wrote this email, the good news is uh, you do have some pretty nice options right now um, that kind of accomplish two things. One is your money can be safe, and one is your money can grow and get a little interest. So that's really important that you can accomplish both of those goals for this money because this is money you plan to use in two or three years. That's very different than money that we tuck away into a retirement account that is a long-term strategy. Whether you're retiring right now or you're already retired or you're retiring in five years, retirement investments are a long-term strategy because they need to last you for decades. If we hope you're going to live to 100, even if you're retiring at 65 or 70, that's still a long-term strategy. It's money that needs to be there for you for the rest of your life. This money that you want to use to buy a house has a short-term time horizon. You want it to be there in two or three years and you want there to be more of it, at least as much as there is today, but hopefully more of it, particularly because inflation. So what can you do? Uh, a couple of examples, and these are pretty new opportunities, new relatively speaking, because up until this year, interest rates have been like zero. So there haven't been great, safe investments that have paid a healthy amount of interest, but now there are. So a couple things. Um one option would be a fixed annuity. Um, just to give you a quick example, you can do a three-year fixed annuity. Right now, that's paying 4% per year or thereabouts. Um, that one, you would, you know, if you have a three-year, you're going to kind of be sort of stuck um, to wait until that three years is up before you use the money to buy your house. So keep that in mind. You can do um, uh, bond funds that have the set maturities. Uh, they're doing great right now. So, you know, maybe a fund of, of bonds that will mature in at the end of 2024 or at the end of 2025, and you'll get a decent rate of return on those. You can do something similar with certificates of deposit CDs. They're paying decent interest rates right now, and they are liquid if you need to get out of them early. It's not the end of the world. So you can pick a time frame, a, a maturity date that fits your estimated retirement date and house purchase goal. Um, but if you need it to be a little bit flexible, you have a little bit of wiggle room with CD, more so than with the fixed annuity. Uh, the structured notes we've been talking about have different time frames. So you can do a structured note with a two-year maturity that has a nice, healthy safety net uh, or downside protection built into it. Um, so that way you're um, getting nice in either income or interest rate or growth opportunity on the money without much risk uh, to your principal. So uh, money, even money market funds right now are paying more than 2%. And we have access to nice ones as um, a firm that can get you a little higher rates maybe than you have access to as an individual. So there are some ideas. Remember, it's a short-term investment. So you got to keep that in mind with the amount of risk you're taking. Hope that's helpful. Um, so this is beginning of the next, last segment of More Than Money for this morning. You can call me with your questions at 610-720-7900 or email me 
Alyssa at askmtm.com. I've got some more stuff to talk about, including the R word recession. We will touch on that after this break and lots more. Give me a call or send me an email and we'll be back right after this. Actually reminds me. Uh, I wanted to compliment the Bethlehem area school district high school bands. Uh, last week at the Freedom football game, we were highly impressed with the Freedom marching band. And last night, the Liberty marching band put on the halftime show, and it was outstanding. They did uh, like a, a montage of sorts, I guess, of '60s songs, and they were excellent. Uh, they looked great out there. They sounded great. Uh, we I I stood up uh, out of my seat to warm up and loosen up because we were so cold and I was tense from sh- you know trying not to shiver and I couldn't help but you know bop around a little bit we were all dancing um, they they really were excellent so kudos to the musicians at Freedom and Liberty and I personally think it's very cool when I see football uniforms in the mix of marching band uniforms so some of those kids come off the football field. And then pick up an instrument and join the band at halftime. And so um, they're very well-rounded kids. But anyway, uh, that's a great song. And they were great performers last night and last Saturday. You know how I love music. Um, Welcome back to More Than Money. This is Alyssa Young. This is our last segment. I promised you a chat with our college correspondent. I'm not sure if he's still joining us or not. Maybe he's sleeping. Listen, if he's sleeping, I won't blame him because... I wish I was sleeping. (laughs) I am sleep deprived and I could use a couple more hours. So we won't wake him. But if he does still call, uh, I believe he has a question he wants to ask. And we will take that call when, you know, if and when it comes. In the meantime, I have also promised you that we would talk a little bit about the R word recession. And it's been coming up a lot because... The Fed is raising interest rates to slow down the economy, and then a lot of people are like, can they do it without causing a recession or a hard landing? And then you've got the people saying, well, we're already in a recession. If you look at it, the, the definition of two consecutive quarters of economic you know, downturn, then, then we're in one. <clears throat> so the, the bad thing is people talk about all this stuff without really kind of defining how it affects you. What does it mean to you if we're in a recession? <clears throat> Excuse me. Sounds scary, but how does that really boil down? So there is an article that um, came in one of the newsletters that I received yesterday. 
uh, or no, maybe it was earlier. It, this one is date. It's a September date, but it wasn't yesterday. So um, maybe the article was written earlier in the month, but it came in my newsletter yesterday. So anyway, it's still it's current uh, is what I'm, get, what I'm getting at. Might have been written before the last interest rate hike um, this week, but that's OK. So I highlighted a few points um, about recessions that maybe can ease your mind a little bit if you're super nervous. Yes, it's bumpy. It's been bumpy. It might stay bumpy as far as the market and the you know performance of your portfolio. But here are some things to think about for preparing for what is to come because volatility likely will continue for a while. Downturns like this are a normal part of the economic cycle. This happens periodically. We have been spoiled for several years, so this feels scary and and, and unusual, but this is normal. Also, recessions are not always extreme. They can be shallow. They can be short-lived. And even during a recession, markets don't necessarily keep losing value the entire time. Um, This article says that markets usually recover before a recession is technically over. Um, One of the worst things you can do is make a panicky move, a panicky decision, um, instead of sticking to a long-term plan. If you can invest during a downturn while other people are selling, they're panicking, or maybe they are required to sell their, their, their securities for some reason, you will actually come out in the end much stronger. You will significantly boost your long-term returns if you can not only stay in the market, but maybe even add money in the market while you have basically sales going on, you've discounted prices. Um, a lot of concern, a lot of worry. Some people who I meet with are super scared. Some people are like, eh, you know, this happens. It's going to be fine. Um, what I would re- recommend to everyone is stay focused on the things you can control, um, such as timing of retirement decisions and discretionary expenses. Those are two really good examples. And I'll tell you, um, early in the year, I met with a couple who are in their late 50s and were planning an early retirement because they have done a good job of being frugal and therefore saving and investing a lot of money, also had a nice inheritance. And so they have sizable retirement accounts and they have pensions from their jobs that will sustain them, you know, quite well. And we use our journey guide software to plug in all of their data and look at their likelihood of success if they were to retire before they're 60 even if they have to buy private health insurance until they're Medicare el- eligible. Uh, and the software told us lots of different ways. Yeah, they can do it. They have the cash flow that they need. They have the retirement assets that they need. They can retire. And then the market downturn got worse, and we talked about it, and we said, you still could retire, but if you're going to start relying on these assets now while the value of your assets are depreciated, it's not as comfortable a picture and it might make you more nervous than you want to be. So a decision to defer retirement for a year, at least one school year, 
is giving them some peace of mind. So that's one thing. It was something they can control. You know what? I can work another year. I'll earn another uh, another annual salary. I'll have my health insurance benefits for another year. Why take on this risk and responsibility of, you know, relying on my retirement assets to 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 survive? Um, in a market downturn when I can just suck it up and wait a year. So that's an example of a decision you can focus on. And then, you know, what you're spending, if you're planning fancy vacations, buying expensive cars, all that kind of stuff, maybe you hold off on some purchases. Maybe you buy something less expensive. Maybe, um, you know, you budget a little more carefully right now so that if you're withdrawing from accounts that are down in value, you don't need to take out as much. Um, That's one of the things I learned in my retirement income certified professional coursework is that it's really important for people to understand the need to be flexible with their spending, particularly in times like this. Um, So back to this article, um, another point, this is a quote, um, in here from a a financial uh, planning expert who says, recessions all end, and so will this one. There have been 14 recessions in the United States since the Great Depression in the 30s, and each one lasted an average of 11 months. It's a natural part of an economic cycle. Now, if you're looking at the technical definition of a recession, we've already been in one for almost this whole year, so it might not last that much longer if because of the Fed's actions, it does go on longer than that average of 11 months, um, hey, it will still come to an end. Um, so typically it's defined as two consecutive quarters of declining GDP, uh, gross domestic product, but it is a lagging indicator. So that means after that gross domestic product has growth has slowed down, then they're like, oh, We're in a recession. (laughs) Um, Keep that in mind as well. And it's also important to remember, I mentioned earlier, we've been spoiled. The stock market has had at least three straight years of solid double-digit growth. And now this year we're down. It doesn't mean that the world is ending and the train is completely off the tracks. Again, back to that whole it's part of the cycle thing. So what else can you do? Uh, Make sure you have enough cash on hand. If you can avoid selling stuff um, out of your long-term growth assets – It's not a great time to do that. So if you have cash you can use, do that. Um, I have clients who are up in age and I didn't want to, they require distributions from their accounts every month. So we had to come up with a strategy to free up some cash that wouldn't be at risk to pay for their monthly bills to let those growth, long term growth assets alone so that they'll be able to recoup. Um, so that's what we did, and it's giving them a lot more peace of mind. They're much more relaxed now, and so am I, uh, because we have a bucket of cash to be pulling from right now that's not losing value. Um, reinforce the value of diversification. That's one of the, the jobs I have as a financial advisor um, in a time like this. Remember to be diversified. And um, don't create permanent losses right now when you don't have to. The values are down on paper. Until you sell and cash out, they're only down on paper. They become permanent losses after you realize them by selling out and then no longer being invested to take advantage of the upturn. Okay. Um, Also, equity downturns are often good times to get in the market. So if you've been thinking about it and you've been not doing it and you want an opportunity to grow, it might be a good time to start. 
So those are some things to keep in mind about recession. Maybe it's not as scary as it sounds. And try not to worry too much about things you can't control. Um, I would like to take a moment here to um, promote something special to me. Before I came to MTM Financial Group, I worked at an excellent company called Kick Charge Creative. Um, I spent about six years at Kick Charge, and the biggest similarity between what I did there and what I do here is that I fostered client relationships. So I was responsible for things on behalf of my clients and it was my job to be there for them, their contact person, um, and making sure things were taken care of and moving in the right direction. And um, I, I miss a lot of those clients that I worked with for many years very closely. Um, we developed great working relationships and I got to know many of them very well. Um, Kick Charge is a branding and marketing agency for businesses across the country. Most of them are home service contractors. So uh, the companies that fix your heating and air conditioning, your plumbing, your electrical systems, that represents uh, the bulk of um, kick charge clients. And the team there is full of very creative and skilled people who help those companies differentiate themselves with their brand, with their marketing, um, their writing, their ads, their websites, um, their search engine optimization, brochures, all kinds of stuff. Um, Kick Charge is head up by Dan Antonelli. So Dan was my fearless leader, my boss for several years. And um, it was an honor to work with him. I learned so much from him. And he is so passionate about what he does helping small business owners. And the way that Dan looks at it is he helps a small business succeed. And in, that is helping all of those employees succeed. And it helps all of those employees put food on the table for their families and create a strong financial uh, foundation. So these are people who probably are able to plan for their future and um, you know be in a, a good financial situation because of the help that Kick Charge has given them to succeed in a very, you know, tough um, industry. So Dan just wrote another book, and I received my autographed copy in the mail yesterday. The book is called Branded, Not Blanded, Kick Charge Your Home Service Brand. This, um, it's a beautiful book, which um, of course it is because the designers, um, on Dan's team are amazing. And I know without even reading it yet that it is chock full of really, really insightful, useful, applicable, relevant information for anyone who is a small business owner or works, you know, as a manager for a business, you would do yourself a a great uh, service to pick up a copy of this book. You can buy it on Amazon it's available, um, a paper copy or like a Kindle version. The back of this book says fit in or stand out. Um, so the whole idea here is to have a home service brand that's going to stand out, is going to help you um, win business, and it's going to therefore help your business succeed. So um, it, it, I think it's it's a probably a very easy read. I know Dan, this is not Dan's first book. Um, I read, I read his most recent book before this one, right before I started working there. And, um, I learned a ton from it. And I know so many people who say that their lives 
have been changed by working with Kick Charge. So if you are um, self-employed, pick this up and it could really make a big difference in um, what your financial future looks like because I know that the companies that have worked with Kick Charge have grown tremendously. So pick up a copy of Branded, Not Blanded, Kick Charge, your home service brand. And if you decide to call Kick Charge and see what they can do for you, tell them Alyssa sent you. Um, I look forward to reading it. Dan, thank you for my autographed copy. I'm excited for you. Um, so let me see. I have a couple of emails here. We have a little time left, so I'm sure I can fit in some more info before we go. This email says, we are a retired couple ages 75 and 80. We are able to live comfortably on the income from our pensions and Social Security with investment income as a superfluous added benefit. That's a hard word to say. We own our co-op and car with no debt. Our estate is valued at approximately $2.5 million, including IRAs, our home, savings and car, etc., exclusive of our pension and Social Security income. We have no children, no heirs. Question, how can we find a reliable person or organization to manage our financial affairs in the, event that, in the event that one or both of us becomes physically or mentally impaired? How can a stranger or fiduciary be trusted to look out for our interests? Thank you. Uh, this is an example of what I was just speaking about earlier, how everybody has different situations and this couple is in a great great position where they have cash flow that's coming in that covers their needs um they're in a they're in a position where their legacy goals are not their top priority but keeping their money safe is still important to them they've worked hard for it over their lives um there is everybody still keeps that very close. They they want to they want to take care of their estate. They want it to they want to preserve it even if they don't have, you know, five kids they want to pass it on to to divvy up. Um how can they trust someone? That's a great question. Um it's really important to find someone that you can trust and it's got to be that's only something only you know who who that person is. Um I had a meeting yesterday with a woman who drove, it actually took her much longer than she thought it would because of traffic, and I think maybe took a couple of wrong turns. But she, uh, she after a two-hour drive, arrived in our office to sit down to meet me to find out if she could trust me and MTM to help her with her money. She worries about identity theft and security and things like that, and she's like, I've not started a relationship with any one company or person all of this time because... I don't know who I can trust. So the conversation we had yesterday really was just about getting to know how we do things, getting to know what it's like to talk to me um, and how we can help. That's what you need to do as a couple is have those conversations. Sit down with a couple people. Talk about what's important to you. How will you know if it's the right place to go or the right person to help you? What are the criteria that you want to make sure you can check off. And then it's kind of a gut instinct, a sense you need to have. Are you comfortable? Do you get along? Um, we have that kind of same rule at MTM where as a financial advisor, if I don't feel like I can trust the person sitting across from me to have a good relationship with me, I'm not going to want to work with them for the next 20 or 30 years. Then 
maybe I decide it's not the right relationship for that person to have with MTM. So that goes that goes for you especially is you want to make sure that it's somebody that, um, you know, you feel like you can trust. Um, I have the, the blessing of being able to speak with you all every Saturday along with Jean. And um, I think a lot of people I've met have said that it, it makes them feel like they already kind of know us and it helps make that trust factor a little bit easier. So that's another thing this couple might be able to do is, you know, listen to radio show, watch the TV show, read newsletters, spend some time getting to know um, these financial professionals however you can. And then um, if it seems like a good fit, then, you know, you can explore that relationship. Um, also important to know that the company that you work with has safeguards in place. So, you know, how is their compliance managed? How are they regulated? You can ask those kinds of questions. Uh, where will your money be? What's the custodian? Um, those are some things you can explore too, just so that you know that there are safeguards there and um, you'll be safe. It's it's definitely a, a scary, it can be a scary thing to tell people all of your personal information, to hand over control of your assets, but you'll know, I think, when you find the person that you believe is the right one for you. Um, one of the ways we really focus on that with our clients is the fact that we have multiple conversations every year. So we have, you really have opportunity to get to know us because we're meeting with you quarterly, not just calling you annually or waiting for you to call us. Um, so we are able to build that bond and get to know more about, about you and you get to know more about us. So that's one thing you could consider too. Work with somebody that you know you're going to have frequent um, communication with, and maybe that will help you out. Um, one of the couples I met with this week, um, and this isn't the first time I have a couple of clients actually in this situation, very um, thoughtful and loving husbands bring their wives to sit down across from me and say, I want to make sure there's somebody here to help take care of my wife when I'm gone. A lot of uh, these men believe that they will be gone before their wives and they're the ones who have been taking care of the finances and they worry about you know worry about her when I'm not here anymore who's going to take care of her so they 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 come while they're both still here together set up a relationship get to know us as advisors and then they know that okay there's somebody here to help. Um, so it's definitely a good thing to have in place while you're physically and mentally able to do so. We would be honored to help you with that. Um, all right. So we only have a few more minutes left. I have lots more stuff in front of me, but I um, don't want to get too carried away because we are going to run out of time. So um, I will... Let me just take a peek at something over here. Uh, okay. Um, I just wanted to share one little tidbit from um, this article about 529 plans because this one's really quick. Um, it was like frequently asked 529 plans. And I've heard this come up not that long ago. Can you use a single 529 plan for more than one kid? And the answer is, yes, you can save for more than one child in an account, but they can only have one beneficiary. So you can only pay for college for one person out of one account. 
um, if that's a question you've had uh, rise in your mind, um, there is an answer for you. You can only pay for one at a time out of that account. So if you save for two kids, you need to split up the money into two separate accounts to disperse it to two separate students. Okay, that might have seemed really random, but I got one more tidbit in there before it's time to go. So now I'm going to tell you how to reach us um, during the week after this show is over. You can call or email to schedule any one of our free consultations, a second opinion on your retirement, your investments, Social Security and Medicare with Mark Basak, who was with us in the 830 segment, life insurance policies, your estate plan, such as your wills and powers of attorney, medical directives, uh, reverse mortgages, taxes, annuities. Call us if you need help with any of these things. Um, our office phone number is 610-746-7007. Uh, anyone who answers the phone can help you. You can also reach me by email, Alyssa, A-L-Y-S-S-A, at askmtm.com. We would love to see you in our office between Bethlehem and Nazareth. We're in Lower Nazareth Township on Hanoverville Road. So give us a call, make an appointment, and we would love to get to know you. Thank you for joining me, hanging out for these last two hours. Uh, Next week, my trusty sidekick, Gene, will be back on the air. Uh, I hope you all have a wonderful weekend and week ahead. Stay warm. The fall weather is here. And um, I'll be back next week with more of More Than Money. Very superstitious. Letters by 